You're listening to Extra Takes, hosted by Northland Church lead pastor, Dr. Joshua Laxton. Tune in each week as Pastor Josh reveals the rest of the story behind his sermons. We'll discuss how those who follow Christ can live out a biblical vision for the church in the world today. Well, hello, Northland family and friends. Welcome to another episode of Extra Takes. I am your co-host, PJ, along with Matt. Matt, how's it going? Good. How you doing? I'm doing well. And we got another, we got a third wheel. Yeah. It's not, not not a fifth wheel, but a third wheel. He, he is a third wheel. Feels like that. Oh, I do yeah. feel like a third wheel. Yes. Right in the middle. Yes. We're a little snug. Like a bug. <laughs> What, where did that even come from? Snug know. like a bug. In come a on. Rug. In a rug. In a rug. In a rug. A you don't remember? I, You're old. Yeah, you I, ought to I know. Am, I'm older than you. Yeah. That doesn't mean I'm old. <laughs> I mean. Watch out. Uh, well, Durder. Yes. It's good to have you, man. Oh, my. I get a Durder. Yes. Glad to be here. So we have PJ and PD. PD. Does that work? Not to be confused with P. Diddy. Oh. <laughs> don't get that. You're confused. not Diddy. No. You're not, not P. Diddy. diddy. I'm PD. Dur. I'm Dur. Okay. Yes. <laughs> well, you preached this past weekend. I preached on Jesus praying and really saying no so that he can ultimately say yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I was looking at the main point. That's a pretty good main point. You like that? Yeah. yeah. I like that. Something that I would I would kind of do. Yeah, well, I didn't think about you when I did that. <laughs> So any anytime we get these two together, it's uh, it's going to be tons of fun. I actually only did a couple questions because I figured we'd uh, we'd have all sorts of extra questions from the uh, the peanut gallery over there. So I'm looking forward. peanut gallery. Wow, wow, it is what Man. it is, right? So this weekend, uh, the third week of redeeming no, a big no for a great yes. Mm. As we said, Pastor Darwin preached. This is on Luke twenty two, thirty nine to forty six. That's November 25th and 26th. And the main point that we referenced, it is Jesus embodied the biggest no that resulted in the greatest yes. Hmm. Excited for us to to dig in a little bit more. I'll lay out, you gave us these um, these six uh, points. They were all use and peace. So you would, have been, you would have been very proud of him. We yeah. had this usual patterns in people to give margin for no. We had unusual prayer to direct the heart to know. We had ultimately personal responsibility. Number four was unifying purpose that directed the no. Number five was unyielding process that helped Jesus say no. And finally, it was the unlikely predicament on the path to know. So you laid out those six, and then at the end, you gave us this, this framework of how to say yes. So what should we say yes to? You said say yes to self-care, say yes Yes to serving others, yes to salvation, and a fourth one just kind of got added in the moment. In the moment, and was that in? So sanctification was added. Was yes, that in sir. all services? I believe it was because there was a realization on Saturday night when I preached that the audience was probably in the congregation is probably a lot of believers, mm. and so you know, in, in giving an altar call to come forward to mm. pray, whether it's for salvation. There was this realization of, wait a minute, there there are probably a lot of believers here, and so all of a sudden this fourth S came for sanctification and this process of becoming more like Christ and being set apart holiness. Yeah. So yeah, That's which wonderful. is technically part of salvation, but it, it is, yeah. it is part of salvation. So you got you got three stools, you know, or three legs Amen. of salvation. You got justification, mm. sanctification, and glorification. glorification. So yeah, 
Yeah. Good. Awesome. So let's start with um, let's start with you, Pastor Josh. So you said no to us this weekend, and we that sounds a little harsh that I said no. But we learned that every no is a yes, right? And that no's can be healthy and helpful. Um, so you said no to us this weekend. So how was that? So, well, I, it was great because I said I said yes just just to resting. Mm. So that's what I I said yes to. Did you rest? Yeah, for the most part. Good. For the most part, I did, and you know, we we had been gone all week, and and so I, the whole week I was able to just kind of shut down. Mm. And usually, when I have a couple of days where I actually do shut down, it does take me a while for me to you know kind of generate the energy to kind of get back up. And so mm. it was good just to just to kind of be away, rest, and not necessarily feel like I had to be on or. So, so it was good because I don't, in all honesty, other than I guess one other weekend, it's probably been over a year since I've not, you know, been at a weekend gathering. Hmm. So, hmm. Uh, I mean, now again, like when I when we were in Brazil, we were at a gathering. So, I mean, so I mean, that's, what, that's what I'm saying is like it's probably been hmm. over with, with the exception of one other weekend, which was in the summer. Hmm. It's um it's probably been over a year since I've just I've just rested. Hmm. So it was good. And I really think that's why this this series is and has been so important for us is because this idea of redeeming no, we can think of a no like that and see it in a healthy light. And yes, not right. see it in a negative light, not see it in a guilty light, but see it in a um when when we say no in this way, what are we saying yes to? Yeah, and Obviously, I'm. You know, there there was the there was an element where I was tempted to feel guilty. Like, shouldn't I? Because you know, my yeah. my family ended up going at eleven. Yeah, and I you know I just kind of told them like I'm I'm just going to take off, and you know, so this me being like really real, like I like I'm just going to take off, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna rest. Um, and and that, that's that's what I did. Yeah. And that's why I want people to know, like, you don't have to feel, you don't have to feel guilty. You don't have to feel ashamed that, hey, am I, you know, now here's the thing. You ought not to, you ought not to say no to corporate worship, you know, 75% of the time. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, so this is where I'm like, I'm looking at it and, you know, in the grand scheme of things and I'm like, all right, I'm just going to take a week off, Um, you know, just even from going (laughs) Because the last time it's so funny. The last time I did you, when you preached, uh, did you preach? No, Gus, he had preached last. Um, this was I don't know a month or so ago, and I just got bombarded. Like I mean, not 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 not. I mean, like I'm talking about. I got somebody caught me after the service and wanted to give me an earful of why we did. You know, and and I'm just like, you know what? I I I don't even want even that potential <laughs> of happening. Want to worship? I, yeah, and so. Um, so that's what it did. Well, and one of those points, uh, number four, the unifying purpose that directed the no, uh, kind of speaks to this. Pastor Dorman, you said, what is the purpose behind your no? Um, and every no can either be positive or, or negative, but, but I think that really helps to get at um, the intentions of, of the no is to, to ask yourself, what's, what's the purpose behind it? Um, so if, if the purpose is uh, rest, if the purpose is to recharge, if the purpose is you know, not not laziness or um, isolation or, or you know, 
uh, not feeling like corporate worship is important. You know, those are those are very different things, and, and yeah. purposes are very different. So yeah. I think that's a great question for us to kind of differentiate. Um, is this a positive no, or is this a, a no that's mm. um, you know that's that's maybe separating us in in not the the best way? Mm. So um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm glad you you said no to us, so you could say <laughs> no to that. I think that's a great example for all of us. So, Pastor Derwin, I have a question for you. Yes, sir. You brought a theological term to us this weekend, hypostatic union. Yes, sir. So tell us, remind us quickly what it is, uh, and more importantly, what, why is this term important for us to understand given this passage? Why did, yeah. you, why did you pull out this theological term for us as you were teaching through this passage? That's good. That's good. I may address another question as I talk about this. You can do that. But um, one of the things that I realized as I was studying this text is what Jesus was struggling with Mm. couldn't be a struggle in his deity, in his divinity. Mm. So it had to be a struggle in his humanity. Mm. And so then I felt the need to make sure that everyone understood that there were two parts to and they probably have heard before about the God Man, and um, but we're talking about his divinity or his deity being fully God, but also being fully man. Mm-hmm. So he was he was fully human, mm-hmm. and so that's a there's a technical term in theology called the hypostatic union of of these two parts mm-hmm. of Jesus's person. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to make sure that I let people understand and know that in addressing why Jesus needed to even say no? Why was there such a such an intense struggle as he was really on his way to the cross? So, And just to be clear, though, the fact that he was fully God, it wasn't that he was 50% human and 50% God. Right. He was 100% human and 100% God, which is, you know, that the hypos, you know, how do you... Hypostatic. Yeah, hypostatic. Uh, you know, they, yeah, it's, a big, it's a big word with a lot of syllables. Hypostatic. I had to look it up because I'd been saying yeah. it wrong. I'd yeah. been saying hypostatic. Well, I'm also, I'm, I'm looking at his hypostasis, I yeah. guess is how you would pronounce yeah. that, you know. So, but it is fully, so fully, yeah. 100% God, 100%, you know, man. And they're, they're in some sense not at odds with one another. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think for myself too, whenever I teach, there does seem to be a, a, a theological nugget that I want people mm-hmm. to walk away with because I think it's important for us to dig a little deeper yeah. and understand certain things that are not easy to understand. Yeah. And so, you know, I remember when I was in seminary, one of the things that I struggled with was these parallel truths. Mm. How, how can he be fully God, but yet fully man? Mm. And that there's a word antinomy that my professor would talk about, and it's these two parallel truths that are on two parallel train tracks, and you cannot try to cross them. Mm. And when you do try to cross them, you're going you're gonna to have problems because in your finite mind, you cannot mm. understand these things. And so this is one of them because it really does not make sense that he, like you were saying, Pastor Josh, it's not 50-50, it's 100%, 100%. Well, that that math doesn't work, mm-hmm. but it does work because this is an antinomy. Mm-hmm. If, are, there are these two truths that you don't try to wrestle with. You just leave them alone. You just accept them because they're both equally true. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, and this this really reminds me of this idea of good theology as applied theology. Um, so 
so often we can think, well, you know, why do these terms matter? Well, as this is a great example of as you were going through this passage, you could easily come up with those questions, mm-hmm. right? And that and this hypostatic union helps to address and answer those questions in a uh, theologically grounded way. And then as you are, um, as you may maybe have more questions, then I think that's an opportunity for you to for you to dig deeper. Sometimes it's hard for us to understand. Okay. As we have questions and where do we find our answers, well, if we, if we understand that there's a, there's a term, um, a theological term that for centuries um, theologians have, have talked about and wrestled with, then it gives us a, an opportunity to really dig into that further as, as we have those, those bigger questions. That's so. good. Yeah, and just don't Google it, like in the sense oh, of— Oh, why not? Well, I mean, especially with some of these deeper theological things. Now, unless you know, like, so for instance, when we talk about seminary education, mm-hmm. like, seminary gives you the tools of where to look. Mm-hmm. It doesn't teach you everything, you, you know, that you that you in some sense need to know, but it definitely gives you the tools and the trustworthy tools, the tools that you can trust, the tools that you, you, you know, you might want to watch out for there. But to, today, when you Google... You know, let's just say you Google hypostatic union, and you, you have you know two point five million yeah. results. Well, not all results are created equal, mm-hmm. so that's part of where I'm grateful for my education and and grateful that I can help. If if you ask me, like I remember somebody was uh, asking me about something, and I forget the actual question. And then I'm like, well, where did you hear that from? And then he, sh- then this guy showed me. I'm like, oh, he was he was like on Jehovah Witness or or a Mormon website. And I'm like, well, we don't believe the same thing. So yeah. that's where, like, you and again, not all results are created equal. Yeah. And so that's where I'm just saying you just have to, in some sense, be careful sometimes of googling theological words mm-hmm. and then reading whatever the results pop up. So that's all I'm saying. There is just again, they're they're not all created equal. There's a lot of you know, bad theology out there, especially on on the internet. So, oh man, yeah. that's a good point. <laughs> that's great. Uh, that's a good point. Yeah. So, next question, Pastor Darwin, you said that you had never preached specifically um, on this passage. So, talk about the process of exploration um, that you went through, kind of of this text. You know, you haven't um, fully examined this text in this way. It's it's obviously a text that's well known. It's one that you've You've gone over, over and over, but um, you you saw it and you looked at it and kind of dissected it from a different uh, kind of a different vantage point as you preach through that. So talk a little bit more about that. Absolutely. So for me, when I am going to teach or preach a text, I I want to expound on all that's taking place there. Mm. And versus when I just read through it, when I read through it, I'm, it's almost just you know summary. Sure. What's what's there, but when I'm going to teach it, I want to expose what is going on. So that's why you mm-hmm. know this didn't fit into the normal three points yeah. because there was so much taking place. In fact, when I was first going to address this, I had spoken to Pastor Marsh and I said, "Hey, buddy, I think what I want to do is um, just talk a little bit, have you sing a song that relates to this, and then talk a little bit more." Mm. But then, as I started digging into the text, I was like, "This is so rich. There's so much in here, so much mm. going on in these seven verses." So I said, 
Next that, I'm just going to preach a regular sermon on this. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's a, all right, let me just try to expose all that's taking place in this. And then looking up key terms, is there a repeated pattern? How does this relate to what the author is saying in the in the whole book? So what what else did Luke say in regards to you know Jesus and some other things that he stated? Mm. And so for me, it really is a, let me just expose all that's taking place. And I think because deep down inside, I am a teacher, mm. and so it comes out in how I present a text. And mm. so, yeah, that's that's what I – and how I focus my attention when I'm looking to teach a text. Yeah, and what I heard from you was was obviously you are – you're looking at the passage, but you're also looking at the broader – broader context so you were looking at you know all of all of uh the book as well absolutely and not just the narrow and and you said you're a teacher but you did get a little preachy uh, i guess it depends on what you call preachy and teachy <laughs> but yes yeah but well, you, you you use the words thank you you said I, yeah yeah I you did. said when i teach or when i preach like so you yeah, you yes. yeah yes. Now, and i'm yes. like keep going yes so for, so for me let me just explain what i mean when i say that when i'm teaching i'm just exposing Okay. What's there, but when I'm preaching, it's more of an admonishment to to the Lord's people, to God's people on mm. certain things. Hey, mm. don't do that. Do this, mm. and so that's for me the difference of of teaching and preaching. Not talking technical definition. Sure, I'm just yeah. talking about how I would present something, mm. teaching versus preaching. Well, when you speak about the admonishment, it reminds me, Pastor Josh, when when you have to check in on us, right? You guys doing okay? Y'all all right. Right? But but that's an example of when you are preaching so yeah. hard to us and, and presenting such hard truths that that's your way of, of yeah. uh, describing to us, hey, you understand yeah. that what I am saying here is not, not an easy thing yeah, to and, and I And I know it was in our series on the book of Acts where, you know, Paul uses two different words mm. – one that will be translated teaching, the other one, you know, kind of preaching. And it is more of the teaching is the explanation mm. of things where where the preaching is more of the exhortation, you know, everyone's saying the admonishment. Like it, it, it's now it's applied. All right, so I just explained it. But let, let, let's talk about the intersection where the rubber does meet the the road, and mm. and so that that is where because now when you take the truth and you begin to apply it, there's this rub and there's this friction that happens because ultimately what the word is doing as it is taught and then applied mm. is it is God is using it through through the power of the Spirit uh, to shape and form. So if you think about so when when we come to Christ where if you want to think about it this way we are unmold you know we're, we're kind of this unmolded element now that has been softened and so now the the word uh through the work of the spirit is now going to to shape and mold us more into the image of Jesus. So so that is where the preaching has to you know so that so that's where I would say you need teaching and preaching mm. which is very very important in the church not just teaching yeah. what what the bible means but to apply it to how it how it impacts our life so yeah that's where the that's where the application gets personal right and it hurts it's things yeah. and you know when it gets mm -hmm. personal a lot of mm -hmm. times and i think sometimes when you check in on the congregation people check out 
when they are being admonished. Oh, they're like, I yeah. don't want to hear this. Oh, and so yeah. they, they, yeah, yeah. they can let their minds wander. But no, hmm. check in so that stay with this. Don't don't give up. Don't give up, mm-hmm. you know, which was a part of actually the text this week, too. Mm-hmm. Which is where, you know, when you were telling me about, I guess, uh, email or so that you read like weeks ago of people no longer at Northland. And I'm like, well, why? Well, because they, they got tired of being convicted. And I'm thinking, you know, and I kind of just chuckled. But I'm like... When you stop going to a church because you don't want to be convicted, I, I, I you know, I, I don't even know if going to a church where you're never convicted is the is in some sense defining an element of the church. Does that make sense? Like, a, so if you can go to a place that is called a church and never be convicted, I don't know if the place that you're going is called church. Yeah. So, you know, so um, just because every time I come into contact with God's word, I was reading God's word this morning. I'm like, I'm I'm challenged. I'm like, I'm challenged because now I I get to I get to look and to peer into the heart and the mind and the the character of God. And I know I'm not God. Mm. I know that he has called me. To become mm. like him, so therefore I'm I'm constantly going to be wrestling with who I am and who he is, and so anyways, I, I know we're getting off track, but I'm like, hey, lean into the discomfort. That, that's one of the things that I would say is that you 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 never have to feel ashamed, you never have to feel guilty because there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Jesus, but because of your great love for him, because that he first loved you, you're wanting him to to challenge you. You're wanting him to convict. You're wanting him to craft and mold you more into the image of, of Jesus. So so it's a good thing that you did preach some. Get a little preachy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't even like, even I don't my family like to get even even my family, you know, said that yeah, Derwin he had to stop himself from getting too preachy. Yeah, I, I you, know. you know it's funny, I guess because in some of its personality, it's it's your bent. I don't like to get preachy. I I'd want to just teach, but there there are some moments as you were exposing mm. the scripture that it, it does call for an intense admonition, mm-hmm. which is more the preaching. Well, so yeah, it's, but it's teach and preach. Yeah, you know. Well, and when when you're looking at the passage where Jesus is at this crossroads where he knows what's coming, the wrath of God is coming. And he's saying to the Father, not my will, but yours be done. I mean, and and so, again, he's God, we're not. So we'll never have to, because of what he did, we'll never have to face. As long as we're in him, we'll never have to face God's wrath. But when you look at, you know, if we're going to, in some sense, emulate and embody Jesus just in a fraction of the way that we see in this passage, there's going to be conviction because there's going to be a lot of times that we're faced as believers that we just want to say, my will, my will be done. Not not your will. Listen, I know what your word says, but I want my will. Like, I, so it's fascinating, Pastor Darwin. You um, you explained, uh, gave an example about that this weekend. You said um, it wasn't about what I wanted; it was about what God was doing. And you gave um, a, a couple examples, but but one was um, this idea of of not wanting to be a pastor. Yes. Right. And yes. then, and then, even most recently, coming to Northland. Right. Yes. So, and that's in the context. You said it wasn't about what I wanted; it was about what God was doing. So, you kind of came to this realization where you 
ended up submitting, you realized and you submitted. So I would love for you to just reflect on that a little bit more and, yeah. and talk a little bit more about kind of that process. Yes. Um, because it's fascinating. And, and as I was listening to it, I it's one of those that like, if it was just me and you talking, I would like stopped you and said, oh, keep going on that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I'm doing now because sure. it's just fascinating. I would love for you to, to talk more about yeah, so feelings and yeah. Absolutely. So for me, I was there was a clear call to ministry when I was 18 on mm. a missions trip. Mm. And and I say it was clear because I knew what God was doing. I just didn't understand what it meant to be called to ministry mm. and what it would entail. And, but I always had in my mind, I'm going to be a medical doctor. So yeah. that's the route I'm going. I, I'm, I, I, there's no need for me to derail from that. Yeah. And But there was a big need because it wasn't about, like I said, what I wanted. It was about what God was doing. Mm. And mm. so I fought God for years with mm. this thing. I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing that, God. And which it seems to be a theme with me is I'm, I'm not doing that. Mm. And so um, – there would be moments of okay, I'm I'm good. I'm going down this path. I'm I'm majoring in gerontology. I'm majoring in chemistry. I'm good. Mm. But then something or someone disrupts that, mm. and the something or someone is typically an agent from the Lord that says you're going to do what He called you to do. Mm. And so my grandmother was one that truly disrupted my plans um, that were mine, but it wasn't what God wanted. And then a, a, another pivotal time was when. We were coming here to Northland, and I, I had resigned from the church that I was at in Atlanta and was really trying to figure out how do I stay in Atlanta mm. because I had kids that were you know, in upper grades in high school, and they had moved some already and didn't want to move them again, and yeah. so yeah. there was no need to look anywhere else. Well, then – my friend over here calls me and says, hey, I'm going to be taking a lead pastor position at a church in Florida. I want you to come and be my executive pastor. I said, well, that's good for you. I'm not coming. I'm, I'm good. And um, it took a while for me to even get to a point where I said, let me just at least pray about this. Because I, I, I initially, he said I ghosted him and did not respond. That is not true. I think it's pretty true. No, it's not. I know my truth. Uh, it's not. I think that's a quote your from truth, a movie. Your truth is wrong. Your truth is wrong. So I did I did we respond. There's those commercials. No, I know. I love that replay. because I go back listen. and look at text. Yeah. Um, but, but the... There was an initial response, and it was just no. It was, yeah, I'm, that's great for you and your family, but no. But I have, I have to, and I still have to, I still struggle with that. Mm. Because when, I, when it's clear to me that God's doing something, my first response is, I don't, but I don't want to do that. And, and some of it might be fear. It might mm. be, it's the unknown. Mm. It's, it's mm. God, are you going to take care of this and that? What yeah. about these people? What yeah, about yeah, those yeah. people? Mm. And, and, and it's, it's a lot to, to follow the Lord. Mm. But the reward for following God far outweighs the mm. sacrifice mm. or sacrifices because there are a lot right. of things you sacrifice when you decide right. to follow the Lord. A couple months ago, mm. I was telling one of our congregants, I said, you know, never in all my life did I think that some of the things I'm enjoying now I would get to. Because when I finally said yes and put my yes on the table to the Lord for ministry, there were some things that I really said to myself, I'm never going to get to do that mm. because I've said yes to ministry. And God's like, you don't know who I am and what I have and what I can do and what I will do. Mm. And I'm like, man, I'm getting to enjoy these things that I thought I never would get to enjoy. 
And it's because of God's goodness, his mercy, mm. his love, his care. And and yeah, we know and we hear this a lot. God's going to take care of your needs, but he also takes care of the wants as well. Mm. These things that I don't necessarily have to have this, but God says, I love you and I'm going to give you the desires of your heart. Because in, in essence, those desires, actually, if they're, if they're not bad things, they've come from the Lord. Mm. And so um, as I want to serve him and I want to seek him, those things that are just the, I would love to get to do that. Mm. He says, I, and I would love to bless you with that. Mm. And so I, I need to see those as rewards and gifts from God. Yeah. And when I do, how, how awesome it is to know that God loves me so much that he's like, man, I'm going to give you some of what you want to. Mm-hmm. And it's a mm-hmm. blessing to, to be able to receive in that way. Mm. So, Very good. Amen. Yeah. That's, all that's awesome. There. That's mm-hmm. awesome. That's all you got. That's enough. That's all I got there. Um, so, so you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, that's what he took from that one. Uh, <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> all right. See? Always, always fun with you too. It's fun. This it's is great. Fun. It's fun. Uh, so you ended with this section of saying yes to, and uh, and specifically for the eleven o'clock service, you when you talked about saying yes to salvation, it was uh, really a. I felt I was in the the nine, and then I watched the eleven. I felt like it was a really tender moment, and um, just really interesting the way you approached it. You, for me, there was a sense of of urgency and firmness in your tone. Um, when we talked about teaching versus preaching, I, I felt like you were, mm. you, you were, you were there. The preaching part, where it was this, hey, don't mess around with this. Right? There is, um, we don't know how much time we have. This is more important than you realize. Um, and, and some feedback that I received that from people that were in the ni- or the eleven o'clock was that they really appreciated that moment and they said it it seems like sometimes we jump to the sanctification part without actually truly ever having the salvation part. What I mean by that is is coming out of our Christian society, that can happen sometimes where we're just we're working and we're driving to learn more and do more and and then some people get to the point where they realize they don't have that relationship. Mm. Um and that that can only end in frustration, right? Um, so I would just love to get your get your thoughts on uh, that moment in the eleven o'clock service, and sure. maybe where that came from. Well, I, I have to say that, and, and I'm sure Pastor Josh, you would agree with this. There are times when you are teaching or preaching where the Lord just says to you, "Step aside, mm. step aside," because I have something to say. And it was I did not intend for it to come out the way it did. The the intensity, the hmm. the tenacity, the veracity, none of that was part of the plan. So I I, I really felt like God said, All right, homeboy, just sit over here a little bit because I have something 11, to say. Right? Yes, exactly. only at the eleven. Yeah. Okay. And so so I just okay, God, I'm gonna let you do your thing. And it it felt a little out of body, to be honest, hmm. because I, I at at the end I I almost said, okay, God, do what you want to do. And I just I just walked off stage. And it's interesting because only at the 11 that I know of did someone come forward and he spoke to me. Um, and actually his sister brought him forward. Mm. It, it was It's a really beautiful thing that took place. Mm. Um, his sister brought him forward. And these are, these are grownups. These are grownups that are more grown up than me. Hmm. And his sister was visiting from out of town for – 
for Thanksgiving, and she said, I want you to pray for my brother. Mm. And I'm thinking, this is a grown, this is a whole grown man. <laughs> he can speak for himself. Right, so I said, right. sir, is there something that you would like for me to pray for you about specifically? And he shared some things. And I said, and I just felt compelled by the Lord to ask him about his eternity and his, mm. his eternal state. So we spoke some more and you know, I got to pray with him and talk about salvation and I got to lead him to the Lord and we prayed and I said, I want you to pray in your own words and he did. And it was beautiful because I knew all of that was not me. Hmm. Yeah. It wasn't me. There's no yeah. part of that was me. That was completely the Lord giving that man what he needed in that moment and God just happened to use me. Amen. And it was just so beautiful. And so hmm. his sister already has emailed me and said she's so thankful. She said she's walked with the Lord for over 50 years, and she cares about souls and, of course, cares about her brother. And hmm. he was just so thankful hmm. that I would take the time to, to stand there with him and pray with him and invite him to come to Christ. And so That's cool. th- those are the moments as a pastor that you live for. You live for these moments where – you get to see life change because I think a lot of times in ministry, mm-hmm. you don't get to truly see the fruit of, of what God has allowed you to be a part of. Mm. And it was just so neat to just hear him, this this grown man, you know, mm. to hear him just cry out to the Lord and to ask the Lord to save him from his sin. Mm. And so it was really just a beautiful moment. But it was because I just let God do what only God can do. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And you know you get a you got a front row seat to that. Obviously, you you know you are the one that knows the most of how that felt in the moment and how you changed it. Um, and, and certainly, some people watched multiple services or were were in there for multiple. But um, but then you getting to lead him to the Lord. That's just yeah. That's just a gift. Yeah, a gift from God. Well, it. and it's interesting because you know I, I I'm reading this book. Thank you, Pastor Josh. Which one? Um, Canoeing the mountains. Oh, I, I oh, just yeah. finished it actually. Okay. Oh, yeah. And so, and I said thank you, Pastor Josh, because I'm reading books right now that I probably normally wouldn't go to, mm. but that they've been encouraged by my pastor to read these books. And so I'm like, okay, cool, I'll read them. Yeah. And so it was a really good book. And good. so I actually planned on finishing the message with talking about this book, okay. but I never got to it in any of the services, which tells me that's not what God wanted you to deal with and talk about. So it is very interesting because we plan and we, we prepare, hmm. but then God's the one that takes this and orders the steps and makes certain things happen. And so we have to be mindful hmm. as pastors and as and as congregants, as followers of Christ, hmm. that our ways are not his ways. His yeah. ways and his plans are higher mm. they're 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 bigger they're more complex mm. and we need to be about following his plan more than what we set up in our own agenda mm. and that's what i really saw this weekend in my own life as i mm. was preparing this sermon mm. that's awesome great way to uh to end our three-week series it was a small but mighty series i think it's one that <laughs> many people yeah. will uh will remember yeah. It's one that we will um you know, people will dwell on. I mean, I think it definitely touched um struck a nerve for many of us, this idea of no. Something that was surprising for me last week, that poll, you know, when when all the different answers and then the number one answer, and it was my answer too, was, you know, why do people say not want to say no? And it was this idea of not wanting to um um not wanting to disappoint people. And it was one of those moments for me that was like, oh, I'm not the only one. And I know I wasn't the only one, but I expected it 
would be more like 10%. But for it to be like, what, closer to 40%, 50%, that was just a big aha for me that so many of us struggle with that aspect of not wanting to, to disappoint people. So yeah. that would definitely stick with me. And then this idea of every no is a yes and every yes is a no. So very practical, but just a, an opportunity to to put yourself in the right frame of mind when you are saying no, what's the purpose behind it? And and there are yeses behind those no's. Yeah. Um, and that's been really valuable. Yeah. And if you just look at, and that's why I wanted Erwin to finish it up with this particular passage. When you look at the no that Jesus gave is that, you know, there there are times when the no that God wants you to to give, it actually is going to cost you quite a bit. Yeah. But the idea of the redemption is that Jesus's no to himself bought, and this is why I, I, I liked your your main point is Jesus embodied the biggest no that resulted in the greatest yes. Is that Sometimes that that no that God wants you to give, it might cost you so much, but he will redeem that no in purchasing a greater yes. Mm-hmm. And, um, and but that's part that's part of the rub is knowing what to say no to and what to say yes to. Mm-hmm. And then it, you know, and and vice versa. Because it is it is a a uh, a lifelong kind of discernment and stewarding process uh, because they you're going to find this in in financial decisions you're going to find this in relational decisions you're going to find this in time you, you know stu, you know kind of management decisions you're you're, you're you're everywhere you look in every area of life there there are those no's and yeses and so uh, so I'm sure this will not be the last time we do a small series like this because you know now that we you know, now that we have kind of a good a good understanding of how to how to at least tackle this particular small series I'm sure we'll do it in a couple of years awesome. again awesome. so awesome. So as we're wrapping up, um, we just finished Thanksgiving, which means we are headed into the Christmas season and we are starting Advent. So I'd love for us to look forward and just uh, look ahead into what we have for this next four weekends. So Pastor Josh, you'll be preaching the next two weekends. Pastor Darwin, you'll be up in a couple weekends. And then Pastor Josh, you'll be doing Christmas Eve. So you want to give us a bit of a preview of um, what this the series is going to be called Memories of the Advent, correct? Yeah, Memories of the Advent. So it's a different way of actually looking at the account that Luke writes because Luke, if you read in just the first chapter, he's almost like this historian mm. and this this investigator. You know, so he's going to investigate all of the events surrounding Jesus, going all the way back to kind of his birth and looking uh, past his death and resurrection. Mm -hmm. So when you look at the account that he's writing with Mary, scholars would say that he's sitting down with Mary somewhere, you know, 40, 50 years after the fact. So Mary's uh, older lady, Jesus has already died, rose again, and ascended back into heaven. Mm. And so all of the things that we read in Luke 1 and 2, they're memories that Mary has 
has remembered mm-hmm. as he's asking her questions. And so that's why we're, you know, kind of titling the series Memories of the Advent. So Memories of the First Coming of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And there's uh, th- there's this idea, too, and I've read in a couple of different places just how powerful memories are. Mm-hmm. And so if they're good memories, they're powerful. If they're bad memories, they, they can be powerful because they shape us in the present. Yeah. And so what we're going to look at is how Mary's memories are to shape us in the present. Mm. And so what can we allow her memories to do in a in a transforming or a transformative way in our own life in the present? So so that's kind of what we're looking at is four elements of of our four kind of memories that Mary had uh, surrounding the first coming of Jesus and how they apply presently to our life. Mm. So and because and it's interesting too because Christmas typically is a time where we're always conjuring up memories like one of the yeah. most successful and well-known Christmas movies of all time Christmas Vacation <laughs> is is surrounding yeah. his memories uh, of yeah. growing up. Yeah. He was wanting to somehow take what he had remembered as a kid and recreate it. Mm. And so what we're looking at Mary's memories is how how we can not necessarily recreate her memories, but how her memories ought to play a powerful role in our life now. Mm. So... That's, so that's awesome. where we're going. That's awesome. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, so Northland family and friends, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Extra Takes. Pastor Derwin, you can look at that camera because it just caught you uh, doing your little your, – What I, was that a dance? Was that – I don't know what you call that. I was dancing. I'm always it, dancing. Is that, a, is, that, is that a train motion? That's, I, is that what I it is? That, I not, guess that's what – got to roll know. the shoulders a little bit. I'm not sure we should try. Don't, don't. No. So, okay. Well, Northland family and friends, thank you once again. We love you. Praise God for you. We will see you this coming weekend. Blessings. Thanks for listening to Extra Takes. Be sure to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you won't miss a single episode.